both COVID and the flu. And so the choir will not be in place today, nor will they be rehearsing this afternoon, but we'll be back in the saddle next Sunday morning. So we'll look forward to uh, getting back uh, like we should be. But I'm glad to see uh, all of you here this morning. Hope you've had a great time in the Bible study. I have several things that need to come our attention before we begin, and a couple of things that I want to ask your help with. Uh, first of all, um, our Jethro Ministry Banquet is January the 21st at 5 o'clock. If you are a part of that uh, and have not signed up yet, you can do so today. Uh, you can tell Joey Vernon. Joey, wave your hand. Okay. And look, uh, I, would, I would have him stand, but I don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> so, uh, Joey will be out at the welcome desk following. If you're new with us or be with us for the first time in a long time, uh, Joey can get you connected with us in uh, every way possible and tell you all about it. So, we'll look forward to that. And you can, if you're a Jethro uh, ministry person, you can uh, let him know that. If you are not yet a Jethro ministry person, but you would like to be, or you'd like to know what it's all about. If you'll tell him that, or if you'll call the church office during the week, we'll get you signed up. It's not too late, but we have to get a head count this week so we make sure that we have enough food. It's a great barbecue meal. It goes from um, at 5 o'clock to 7.30 at the latest, so don't miss it. We'll look forward to you coming and being a part of that. Uh, we need some new folks on Jeffrey Ministry, so uh, that would be great. We appreciate it. That's on January 21st. On the 22nd, we have a conference meeting that evening, which means at 6 o'clock that evening, we'll be gathering to eat downstairs, and then we'll hear from our different ministry teams reports of what's going on in our church. So we'll look forward to that time together. The last Sunday in the month, January the 29th, is Sacrifice Sunday. So we'll be observing the Lord's Supper, and also we're having, as always, Sacrifice Sunday offering. You know, the last couple have gone out. In fact, this past year, I believe we had two or three that went out. Uh, those offerings were used to help our friends down in Entergy, and I uh, remember that we had one that went uh, to Christian Adoption Services, and uh, this time we're doing something a little bit different. Our church council will get a a letter or an email about that this week. But this week, this, this Sacrifice Sunday, will go to upgrade our entrance area out front, our comms area, the vestibule, the foyer, whatever you like to call it, uh, to make it more inviting. You know, when people come into our church, we we need to make a good first impression. Don't even want it to be a great one. And we have not done anything out there in, I think, about 20 years. So it's time. And so... Start praying now about what God would have you to do towards that sacrifice Sunday offering. Deacons, don't forget your meeting today at 3.30. Also, I want to tell you, if you're missing Wednesday nights, you're missing out. We have some great things happening on Wednesday night for all the age groups. And it begins at 5.45, and we're having a chicken strip dinner uh, this week. So don't miss that. Our ladies do a good job, and we're looking forward to uh, having that meal together. And we have uh, adult studies and, and women's studies. And women are just starting a new study. And if you are if you don't go to the women's study, but you're an adult, I'd love to have you join us down in the fellowship hall. We're into a study, but I'll catch you up. And I promise you that. So I'll look forward to that. Well, it is today that is Jerry Tootin's birthday. Amen. 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 I've loved Jerry since I first knew it. And I love him more this morning because I'm going to tell you what. I, I called him the other day and he told me when he got my call, it was late and he was not going to call me that late. I appreciate him being um, conscious and considerate of my time, but I told him we did some different clothes. So it's okay to call me at any time. Now, two things that you can help me with today. For the next few moments, I want you to take a deep breath. And then I want you to listen as Arena's going to play. And let's be quiet before the Lord. And let's make this a way that we go 
that when she's playing, we're quiet and just concentrate on the Lord. And then at the very end of the service, um, guys, would y'all keep all the doors closed? And would we ask that no one leave until the invitation is finished? You never know when just that much of a distraction, someone moving, is going to keep someone from making a decision for Christ in any way. So please be still and know that He is God right now. And be still and let Him do His work. Thank you very much.
listen. There's pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. There's strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings of mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see.
God bless you. Well, good morning, church. So good to see each of you. Even when things don't go as planned, we know this, that God is still large and in charge, right? And uh, so, Scott, thank you for being flexible and uh, just leading us so well today. When you were growing up, did any of y'all ever play church? Okay, that, that, was, that was not unusual in our household, all right? And uh, when so our little ones were little, uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I would come in and I would uh, see them. And Sarah is probably going to be the one leading the music. Silas was probably going to be the one who was going to do the preaching. And then there were other little ones and, you know, they just kind of, I, I watched them practice baptism one day. So uh, it wasn't unusual at all. Matter of fact, I heard one time that there was a little girl and her friends got together and they played church a lot. The only problem was every now and then she would just go, boo. And they were like, why do you do that? And she said, well, I'm the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so, so, you know, you can have a lot of fun with that. Here, here's the problem. Too many times uh, I've noticed something in my role with the state convention. There are a lot of people generation after generation who've grown up playing church, and for the most part, they haven't changed. I'm afraid there's just way too many people who get up every Sunday morning and they still play church. One author said this in a book entitled Up With Worship. Every Sunday, they still play church. They line up in rows for the entertainment. If it's pretty good, their church may grow. If it's not too hot, eventually they will drift off to play something else like yachting or wife swapping. And so for today and next week, I want to be in the book of Matthew chapter 16, and I want to... I want to bring a couple of messages in the next couple of weeks on the theme of the church that Jesus builds. If we're going to be the church, then we better know what the church should actually look like, right? And what does Jesus have to say about his church? So if you found your place, Matthew chapter 16, I want to begin reading this morning in verse 13. And I'm going to read down through verse 20. If you found your place, you know, I really want you to, you know, I love it when you kind of shake hands, hug necks, and all that kind of good stuff. But there's so many people sick. We're not going to do that. So just look around at somebody and just wave at them real quick, all right? Just, just wave at somebody across the aisle. There you go. That's going to be our greeting today, all right? So we'll just wave at each other, give them an air high five. That'll, that will work. But I want you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible, your device up, and say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you for 
this day. God, we recognize that you are God and besides thee there is none other. And God, we're grateful that you have enabled us with just the health and the strength and even the desire to come and God, just to be a part of this fellowship today. God, I thank you for each person that is here. Lord, for those who are watching, uh, Lord, uh, through Facebook or Internet. Uh, Lord, I know that many want to be here today and physically that just can't. And God, we pray that you would bring healing and God, comfort to, to many even now. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us today. God, I thank you for this text. I thank you for the truth that it contains. And God, I pray that today that we would begin to be reminded of what the church is and what the church is not. That God, you would put a desire in our hearts, God, to to want to be connected to you and connected to one another. And, and that God, that we would be the church that you died for us to be. That, God, we would pray that we would see many souls come to Jesus. God, that we would see disciples made. God, that we would be extremely intentional and, and um, Lord, so focused on what you say the church is, what your expectation is of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us through your word today. And, God, for all that you do, we will give you praise. God, I pray that someone would be saved. God, I pray that someone would be drawn close to you. God, I pray that someone even here today, God, maybe you're going to call a preacher today. Maybe, God, you're going to do something that we just didn't even expect. But, God, we know that you're going to do something. And we believe that today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So what does the Bible have to say about the church? Well, in this text today in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 gives us only one of two times that Jesus ever used the word church. As a matter of fact, the only gospel that you find that word is in the book of Matthew. I think that's very interesting. And so here is that first occurrence of the word in the New Testament. And um, on this occasion, Jesus is with his disciples. And they're coming to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. I, I think this was one of those moments where Jesus was just trying to get away just to be with his disciples, just to spend time with them. And he begins to ask a, a series of questions. Jesus asked a lot of questions. If you've ever noticed this, even when somebody asked Jesus a question, many times he answered it with a question. And so here is one of those moments, and Jesus wants to know, who do men say that I am? Now, you've got to remember, he is very God. Jesus didn't need to know, you know, from the disciples what people were saying. Jesus is God, and he just knows everything, right? This is yes. Yeah, this is yes. I, I, I know it's early. We'll wake up here in a minute. And so Jesus didn't need the help, but he's, he's moving them in a direction. He's kind of setting things up because he's getting ready to teach them some things that they need to know. Now, if anybody looked at us today and said, hey, I want you to know that you remind me of John the Baptist. If somebody looked at you and said, you know what, you remind me of Jeremiah. If somebody looked at one of us today and said, you remind me of Elijah. Now, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? To think that somehow we could be in the same conversation with those types of men who loved God, trusted God, and were great, great men of faith. But you've got to remember, this is Jesus. And Jesus is in a class all by himself. Because he is the eternal son of God. 
And so Jesus begins to, to ask another question. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Now, of course, we've read in the, in the text that, that Peter says, well, you are the Christ. You're the, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus commends him for his answer. Now, don't, don't overlook that because it's a supernatural answer. Jesus was very clear to say flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. There was nothing in Peter. He wasn't smart enough, clever enough, neither are we. And he's just saying God the Father had to have revealed that to you. Now, that's a powerful statement. And so Jesus acknowledges this deep spiritual insight that he's not just a man, he is the God-man. Now fast forward that to verse 21 and you discover that Jesus is, begins to tell them how he's going to go to Jerusalem, how that he's going to be betrayed, how he's going to be crucified, how he's going to be buried and how he's going to be raised again on the third day. So think about this. So sandwiched in between the identity of Jesus and the destiny of Jesus, he makes this audacious, powerful principle about the church. Now think how significant that is. Remember, it's the first time Jesus has ever used the word church. So that should be pretty significant. And so we know it's a Greek word. It's a Greek word that means ekklesia. It's the idea of the assembly. It's a word in that day that was used when, when people would get together. Citizens of a, a town would get together and they would use the word ekklesia. It's kind of like a town hall meeting where people would gather together. It constitutes an assembly. And so many times in the New Testament, you will find a word that they would use in everyday language and it's baptized and now it has a very significant meaning to the body of Christ. That is one of those terms. Ecclesia, the church, the ones who are called out. So when Jesus uses the word church, he's referring to those who have heard, those who have responded to the gospel. They've heard and responded to God's call for salvation. They've heard, they've responded to God's call to follow him to service to to deny self to give up everything in order that one would follow Jesus so that's kind of the background okay here's what's going on Jesus is with his disciples it's the first time he uses the word church ecclesia called out ones and he uses three distinct symbols. And so for the rest of this message and for next week, I want to look at those three symbols. You ready? And here they are. Rocks. Now, after I used the illustration last week of dirt clods, this one just fits, right? So rocks, gates, and keys. Now, those are three things that most any of us in this room could relate to in some form or fashion. Just out of curiosity, does anybody not know what a rock is? Okay, very good. So, I want you to think about rocks. Do you know what a gate is? We got an idea, right, in our mind. What a gate, a gate, and then keys. I could... Some of you don't have keys and we have fobs now, right? So, so at, least, at least most of us at least have an idea of what a key is, right? A key. 
And so these are three symbols that Jesus uses. So today, I just want to spend time with the first one, and that is rocks. And so I want to introduce this part of the message by saying that the church is founded upon a great truth. And here's that truth. Upon this rock, I will build my church. What did Jesus mean when he was speaking to Peter and he said those words, upon this rock I will build my church? Some think that he meant Peter himself. Do you believe that? Do you think he meant Peter? Well, if that were true, then, then Jesus would have said, upon you, Peter, I will build my church. I think what's going on here, it's a play on words. The, the word Peter, Petros, means to be part of a larger rock. It means to be a small stone. And so when the Lord is speaking about building the church or building his ecclesia, building his called out ones, he uses the word Petra, which means rock. And so Jesus is communicating a powerful truth. Out of the rock, this stone is going to be hewn some small stones that are a part of the rock. Does that make sense? So get the imagery. Big rock, take a chisel, begin to hit that thing. Some small rocks break off. That's the difference there. Petra, big rock, Petros, small rocks. And so what Jesus is declaring is that he himself is the rock. Ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you really want to understand church, then you have to understand Jesus. You can't have a church without Jesus. The Bible makes it critically clear that he is the chief cornerstone. 2 Peter 2, 4 through 6 says, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual house uh, and sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in other words, every Christian is a stone. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a little stone. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, Other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So think about this statement. Think about this statement that Jesus makes. I will build my church. I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I think he's pointing back to himself, this rock. You're a small rock. I'm the big rock. I'm the foundation. And upon this rock, I will Build my church. That is critically important. Who is the I in that statement? Jesus. I is the person, right? The person. The person that's making this statement is Jesus. I. I will. Who has the power to do what needs to be done? Jesus. I will. How can he make such a statement? Because he is very God, right? He's just not going to be God. He's not a little bit God. He's not the could be God. He is very God. That's why he's making such a powerful statement. I will do what? He will build. That means, that means he, he can be productive in that. That means he can accomplish something. It means that he is the architect. He is the one that builds. He is the one that decides. And this is why this is so critically important. Because I'm watching churches all over our state believe if they call the right pastor, they could grow a great church. 
If we just had the right program, we could grow a great church. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand my heart today. It is important who you call as an under-shepherd. It is important what you do as a body of believers. But just because you call a sharp guy or just because you have great programs does not mean you're building on the person of Jesus. You can build on a personality. We watch that all the time, don't we? Just turn on the television. Sometimes we think, man, something must be really going on there. There are thousands of people who go to that church. No, it's based on a personality. And when the personality's gone, so will the people be gone. Some churches build on great programs, but when that program has run its course, do you know what most of the people do? They go find them another church that's got a better program. And all we do is have this repeating cycle of, of fish just jumping out of one aquarium into another aquarium. Now, I know that's a dignified of way. Well, listen, I'm a country boy. I'm just going to call it what it is. Church hopping. Now, if God, if God motivates you to, to, to be a part of a congregation or to, to move and change, listen, God has the right to do that because he is God. Amen? But the key is what? The key is that you're hearing from Jesus. The key is that you're building upon him. The key is that you understand that he is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is, and I'm telling you, the greatest need of this church and any church is be sure that Jesus is in this house. Y'all remember the, 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 the four guys that had a friend that was paralyzed? And you, you remember they got him to Jesus, right? I love that passage in Mark chapter 2 because it says, and it was noised, noised. That, that's a great way of saying people were talking about it. You can telephone, you can telegraph, or you can telebaptist. Somebody say Amen. Sometimes we call it prayer request. <laughs> Ain't no prayer or request in it, amen? But it was noise that what? That Jesus was in the house. The greatest thing that could ever be said about Popular Springs is not about the preacher, not about the choir, not about a teacher, not about a Bible study group, not about a program, not about a building, but that Jesus is here. And that Jesus is ruling and Jesus is reigning and Jesus is changing hearts and lives. Why? Because he is the only foundation for the church. Now that doesn't, listen, that is not popular. What I just preached is not popular. Do you know that? I am a dinosaur. I am a relic. I know that. And I'm pretty comfortable with it, to be honest with you. Jesus said, I will build my. So who is in possession? Jesus is. Jesus. Now, I don't get too carried away with this. You know, preachers can be critical. Did y'all know that? Preachers can be pretty hard and preachers can be critical. But I don't like it when somebody says, boy, the preacher sure has built a strong church down there. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I'm very uncomfortable when I hear things like that. Boy, God's used him to grow a great work. Makes me nervous. Jesus said, I will build. Which I'm telling you, you talk about taking all the pressure off. That means I don't have to perform. 
That, that, that means, listen, that, that, that could be one of the greatest things that any pastor could ever read when he understands that Jesus will grow and develop his church. That means I don't have to. He will. I get to be an under-shepherd. I am nothing more than a representative of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But it is he who saves. It is he who bled. It is he who died. It, it is he who is the foundation. And you know what? So I just get to trust him. I just get to preach Jesus. I just get to share the gospel. And if God grows the church, then God grows the church. And that way you just stand back and say, God, you really do know what you were doing. This is amazing. That none of this could be explained except by God. I will build my church. He, Jesus, not just somebody sent from God, not someone who is part of God, not somebody who is a representative of God, the one who was and the one who is very God. Jesus is the rock. It is upon that foundation that the church rests. Some people may try to build their church on the pastor. He's going to move and so will they. Some people are going to try to build on a program, but when it runs out of steam, they're going to find the church in decline. The only solid foundation to build upon is the person of Jesus. I, I love to travel. And to be honest with you, this may surprise you, but one of my favorite places to go is New York. I, that shocked some of you, doesn't it? New York City, yes. I love it for about three days, and then I'm ready to come home. But you just give me three days, I love it. Big city, bright lights, right? <laughs> I love it. And every time I go, one of the places, I mean, I love Central Park in the daytime. I mean, you 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 got to know your limits and boundaries, amen. Central Park in the daytime is beautiful, but at nighttime, there's one place I love to go, and in 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 one of those evenings, we're always going to go to the Empire State Building. Did you know the Empire State Building is one of those things that many people in that day said it cannot be done. It would be impossible to think that you could build 102 stories of concrete and steel, one on top of the other, and expect it to stand. But I've been there, and I've stood at the top many times, looked out across that incredibly large city that never sleeps. So I've been there. Been there several times. And guess what? It's still standing, 102 stories, one story on top of the other of concrete and steel. I mean, the years have proven that that foundation has been done right. But I got good news for you, or even better news for you. I know of another structure called the church that that foundation has been proven to stand the, the test of time. It's deep enough. It's strong enough to withstand all the storms of life. It's built on the right foundation. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Stand. Let me ask you a question. What, what are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? I mean, are you, are you building your life on the foundation that will not shake? Are you building on the foundation of Jesus? Are you building it on the principles of his word? Are, are you building it on the foundation of the apostles? And I mean, the church the very thing that Jesus bled and gave his life for. You understand that he died for the church? Are you, are you building your life on the foundation of Jesus? Are you building your life on you? Whatever feels good. Whatever gratifies your flesh. 
whatever feels good in the moment. What are you building your life on? Well, there's no other foundation. You've got money now, but you may not have money tomorrow. What are you building your life upon? What, what do you believe this church is building its life upon? Is it just about budgets, buildings, and bottoms in the pew? That could, be, that could have been offensive. I don't want to offend anybody. Maybe I should have went with the ends, nickels, noses, and numbers. Maybe that's less intimidating. What, what do you believe that this church is building upon? Those are two critical questions. Those are two really important questions. As a matter of fact, your eternal destiny is going to be predicated on the answer to those two questions. Let me ask it this way. And I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop with rocks. So next week you're going to get gates and keys. And the reason those two need to go together is because the gate needs a key. And every gate has a key. And I'm going to show you that next week. So let's just stick with the rock because that's foundational. And maybe I could have answer or asked a better question. So let me ask it this way. 20 years after you die, will it have mattered that you ever lived? If you were standing before Jesus today and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell Jesus? Would you tell him because I was a member at Popper Springs? It's the wrong answer. That's going to shock you, but it's the wrong answer. For some of you, you're going to say because I was baptized when I was a kid. That's the wrong answer. I don't care how many times you get baptized. Baptism in and of itself doesn't save you. It's not in church membership. It's not in baptism. And some of you are going to say, it's because I was good. Well, I hate to tell you this, but the Bible says there's none good. No, not one. Not even one. You understand the only thing that you can build your life on today and your eternity tomorrow is on Jesus himself. And I'm telling you, there's somebody here today that needs to come to Jesus and say, God, I'm asking you to be merciful to me, a sinner, because the fact that you even know that you need Jesus is a demonstration of what happened in this text because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to bring you under conviction to know that you even need God. And the fact that you know that you need him is fact that God is doing a work in you, drawing you to himself. Flesh and blood does not reveal that to you. Only God can reveal that to you, right? Only God can do that. And so I'm believing that, that there are some people who need to be saved. And I am asking you to trust Jesus and build your life on him. I'm perhaps speaking to some believers here today. And I'm telling you, I live right where you live, and I live in the tension 
of saying, I love Jesus, I trust Jesus, I want Jesus, but I find the tension of this world always pulling at me. You with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And maybe God's brought you today to a place that you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've been building on other things instead of the foundation of Jesus. And you're miserable. And you know what? It makes sense, doesn't it? No wonder we're miserable. The simple answer is the first song that we sang today. Turn your eyes where? On Jesus. I mean, some of you just, you've been walking in the wrong direction. And I don't want to oversimplify this thing. But what you need today is an about face, right? A change, a turning from and a turning to. So I will turn to the foundation. I will turn to the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I'm just going to make this just as simple as I can. Come to Jesus today. Come to him. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for the power of your word. And God, I believe with all of my heart that there is someone here today who needs to turn from sin and self. And Jesus, they need to trust you as Lord and Savior. God, I believe there's someone here today that does not have, God, the peace and the assurance in their heart that if they died today, God, that their sins are forgiven and that they would be in heaven with you. But Jesus, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction. And God, for for someone to even know that they need you today is proof that, God, you are doing a work and that you're drawing them to yourself. And so, Lord, I pray that the veil has been lifted and that, God, even today we would watch you gloriously save someone, pass them from death to life. Lord, we will praise you for that. God, I believe there's some Christians in this room, true believers in this room. But God, it's so easy for earthly pursuits to grab a hold of our attention. And God, maybe someone here today that's a Jesus follower just needs to come before you today, confess sin, repent of that sin, turn away from it, and God, just simply pursue you. And that you would restore to them the joy of your salvation. And so, God, whatever you choose to do today, we will give you praise. I just want to watch you work. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just, just, uh, just simply trust him today. If you're here and say, Ken, I've never trusted Jesus. I, I don't even know what to do. I'm telling you, let me take the word of God and show you how to be saved today. I'm going to ask you to come. If you're a believer and you just need to come and find a place around this altar, you come. Trust Him today. Trust Him. Oh, so are you weary and troubled? No, I. 
There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. sing this last verse I wonder if any of you would just join me here at the altar to pray that this church builds on the rock that is Jesus let's sing the verse then you move if you feel like it his word shall not fail you he promised believe him and name we come to you because this is the only name that we can come by Lord you have said you are the way the truth and the life but Lord so often just become comfortable in our own reasoning in our own patterns in our own doings Lord today we have heard straight from your word all that needs to be set aside, put away from us, that we may anchor on the only solid rock that stands throughout eternity. And it's Jesus. So today, Lord, in this moment, in this place, we as a body ask that you would have your own way that you would allow us to turn our eyes upon you. That you would help us to understand that you're the only way and the only one. Lord, help us not to be so concerned with what we're trying to build and allow you to build what you will. Lord, we love you. 
how can we help but love you who have loved us and given yourself for us and sustains us and and your word says holds it all together us the universe all of it so lord would you just do that for us now would you make our direction so clear because our eyes are so focused on you and for all that's done in the days to come we will give you the glory because you alone deserve it father once again we just want to say we love you we love you thank you for loving us when we were unworthy in jesus name